baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast, WILK News Radio. Well, Bulldog refuses to play this when uh, Monday Music is on a Tuesday. But he played it today. But isn't that the greatest comedic act in the. I mean, it was so funny. I'm laughing my head off in here listening to that comedian. On the on the Al Baghdadi killing, <laughs> hey, please, can we go back to that? Please, somehow, some way, let's have some laughs again. Not with this scumbag. Well, John Perillo is with us, and it is time for Money Musings. John, I tell, I laugh at that. That comedian. I'm sorry, I was laughing. It. Oh, that was so funny. I enjoyed that. Thank you. And, and the walk-up music. Thank you. That was great. It's about um, time. We, have, do you. we had to do your, your intro. It's your intro. You come on. I, I appreciate it. I, I like to make believe it's walk-up music, you know, but uh, not that I'm a, a fighter or anything. But uh, I, I, uh, I appreciate get, uh, you all being joining us again this morning. And, and last week I asked you and the listeners there to keep an eye out for what's going on in China. And the market rate uh, there there is down something like 30%. Uh, they're printing money at a rate that makes our money printing seem like amateurs work. Huh. And on top of all that, they're facing a really large real estate crisis. Bobby's mentioned that before. And it affects us, of course. And, you know, and in fact, I'd argue that much of the influx of the Chinese migrants that we're seeing at the southern border is not an invasion in the sense that they're placing agents here, although we should certainly be cautious about that but rather that the middle class and anyone with the means to do so is fleeing that sinking ship. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and there was this interesting article by, by a woman named uh, Therese Shanine on this collapse. And that got me back to thinking about the subject. And the one thing that has kept the current regime in power for so long has been the rise of the Chinese middle class. And in about the half a century since the end of the Mao era, the Chinese Communist Party basically relies on their growing and getting more prosperous middle class for its legitimacy, right? It's it's that middle class that's the proof to them that the communist way is working. And, you know, we talk about poverty in the U.S., but we really have no idea what real poverty is. There's something like 600 million Chinese still living on $5 a day and probably another close to 200 million what I'll call rural migrants in the cities meaning those people who are desperately poor, who went to the cities and are now making about 15 to $25 a day. And again, unlike anything that we experience in the U.S., these people have almost no chance of improving their lives because of something called the Hoku, which is the Chinese Communist Party's really harsh internal passport system. And you can't just say, hey, there are no jobs here. I'm going to move over there. And one of the keys to U.S., uh, um, the, our ability to earn more money is our ability to be mobile, right? So mobility is one of the key attributes to our prosperity and lots of reasons why it's waning over here, but that's a separate discussion we'll get into later maybe. But if you remember from a few Monday musings ago, we discussed how the bargain that the Chinese Communist Party has with its people was something like 
increasing prosperity in exchange for supporting the regime, or at least not active opposition. Right. So but so far, that pos- that poster- uh, prosperity really hasn't touched these huge numbers of, of these lower middle class citizens. And these are the people who are, you know, the, there are people who are benefiting from the new Communist Party, you know, but they're the most highly educated and the most up- upwardly mobile citizens who live in places like Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou and, and the big um, the big kind of important cities from a, from a political standpoint. But these lower class urban uh, people who have moved from the countryside, and remember, there's roughly 600 million of them. They're the people who make your sh- your shoes and your phones and all the other stuff we get here in the states. And they're beginning to have, it seems, a real change in heart in their support for the Communist Party. Uh, they were really brutalized during the COVID lockdowns, and that led to widespread tensions across the cities. And it was so bad. And, and, and remember, the, the COVID ex- lockdowns, ours were stupid. Theirs were brutal. Yes. People were, brutal. they were, they were uh, literally padlocked into their apartments. Yes. <laughs> if you, exactly right. As Bobby described, if you violated the curfew, they would come by with a welding torch and weld your door shut. They'd kill That's, your I mean, pets. You know, when we talk, <laughs> they'd kill your pets. Exactly. If you took your pets out, they thought that at the early part of COVID, nobody thought, nobody knew whether the pets could spread it. So they just kill them. Right. This is the kind of thing these lower and they all lived in these huge apartment complexes near these places that build all these things that we buy. So so there was absolute control of this kind of what I call, again, lower middle class citizens. Right. So um, it got so bad that the regime actually acknowledged what uh, this kind of a social crisis, something they rarely do. And in the most recent covid they had, they had another zero policy. They had a couple of COVID cases. They went back to zero, uh, zero, po- uh, zero tolerance. They shut everything down, and they lifted the lockdown overnight. And what happened was this lower urban middle class began to revolt, and the, and the Communist Party realized, hey, we, we, don't, we, we probably can't do this, and that's what happened. So we discussed also how the uh, uh, People's Republic of China uses technology to crack down on any freedom that might have crept into the system. So things like geofencing your phone, which means they can take your phone and draw a circle around it and see what other phones are near it. So if there was a protest, they can determine who is standing near the protesters, right? And they can use that to shut down your ability to travel or even have access to your bank accounts. And that's how the Chinese Communist Party controls its citizens, that and an extensive network of uh, cameras and facial recognition that they use. But in exchange for that kind of harsh policy, the citizens got what, what Xi used to call the Chinese dream. And his vision that he described in 2012 was for the country to be, and I'm going to quote him here, a moderately well-off society by 2021, right? So that's the goal, moderately well-off. And that, that tells you where their starting point was. Well, now it's 2024, and it seems that Xi's Chinese dream is either dead, no matter what else you're hearing from anybody else in the press. Okay, unemployment among college-educated urban residents is 20% or more. Right, 20% is acknowledged by the Communist Party, so you can you can guess it's more than that. And remember, their college-educated kids don't have things like gender uh, gender studies. Right, they have real degrees. You know, even if some of that education is tainted by the party, you know, things like uh, the study of economics, for instance, would be tainted. But you know, most of these kids that are that are educated are educated in math and science and STEM. And they're 20% unemployment. 
And in addition to the economic issues that the lockdowns created, they also created a whole bunch of resentment and anger. And now that economic growth has stalled, and in reality is probably declining, despite the official statistics to the contrary, that's starting to crush these people. And the other thing that's happening is that the middle class no longer believes that things will continue to improve for them. And this could lead them to question everything else, including the whole communist party. And now, if your life is getting better, you might accept some lack of freedom that comes with communism. And that's always been the danger with totalitarian societies. What they try to do is say, hey, we're going to give you you know, some uh, a little bit better off living. We'll give you money. We'll give you whatever it is in exchange for you giving some of your freedom to us. That's that's how that's how these things work. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then everybody starts to question the entire deal. And then he had that real estate bubble that just started to collapse. And as Bob had mentioned earlier, once that collapses, there's really nothing to explain to, to replace it. And, and then they're, if they're you in have the midst a, job, of a they're in the midst of a demographic collapse at the same time. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in a second. Right. So so what you're seeing now is wages starting to drop down. Currency is drifting downward, which the, the Chinese Communist Party intentionally was trying to do in order to spur exports. Right. Um, the one is in, and they did that in order, order to also stop deflation. More and more high skilled work is being done by robots, uh, robots. And by the way, if this sounds familiar to anybody, you know, feel free to stop me. And oh, by the way, in the production of ro- robots, according to the Center for Strategic and International Studies, is up by a factor of about 20 percent since 2012. A third of the global robot sales are going to the People's Republic of China. A third. And again, if you're a lower middle class person in China, that's your job. And another scary feature is how much economic activity in China has now gone to the informal sector. You know, China is an authoritarian state, but totalitarian characteristics. So every society, everything that you do in that society is monitored by the government. Well, if you're doing business informally, and that means bartering and the like, then that means they can't control you. And there's a little bit of that's always in to- it gets tolerated in societies. But when there's a lot of it, it means that citizens don't believe that the regular system works for them. And, you know, so what we're seeing, in my opinion, is that the young people are deciding to give up. And how do you know that besides me just telling you that, although you should trust me? Um, But the stats show that young people there are not getting married, even those who can. And remember, we talked earlier about, you know, there's not enough women to make that happen because of the one child policy, which really was biased towards towards young male students. But even the women that are available aren't getting married then the people who are getting married aren't having children. And even though they're now allowed to have more than one, so they don't, and then they don't want this cutthroat pursuit of fewer and fewer jobs that they now believe is not leading to prosperity and mobility. And, and there was an unstated kind of social construct known as 996, which was you start work at 9 a.m., you work to 9 p.m. for six days a week. And that was, that was kind of the thing when we were there, when I was there. I used to work in China for my company on occasion. Uh, Those people worked extremely hard, but the younger educated folks aren't having any of it. They're basically walking away from that. So this isn't a democracy where unhappy citizens get to, you know, kick their leaders out. Uh, But this middle class Chinese group is starting to vote with their feet. And if you remember my opening, illegal immigration from China is on the rise. So according to Bloomberg, I think it was last December, Illegal, illegal immigration into the U.S. from the People's Republic of China was up more than 100 percent, with something like 60,000 crossing since 2022. Now, um, John, let's so, ask this question, though, and that's uh, a lot of us believe that some portion 
of that is a literal invasion and that they intend to do harm to infrastructure uh, through terrorism and other, by other means. Um, how do you get out? So you go back to the threshold question. I could understand the people who want to get out of China that or that want to get into this country to do us harm. I know how they're getting out of the country. How are the people right. who simply are economically fleeing for economic reasons, how are they getting out of the country? That's, that's, a, that's another great question. So uh, the Chinese still are allowed to travel and do things like take a vacation. And there are places that the Chinese typically go to, to take their vacations. Well, what's happening is these lower middle class people are saving up every dime they have. They get to their vacation spot and then they're, you know, they're back to the coyotes trying to trying to get them smuggled into typically into Mexico. Well, the, the, the couple to. people that Bill Malusian interviewed at the border said that uh, yeah. a couple of the people said they were going they they were Greece, then they went to Mexico, and then they marched yes. across the border. Correct, right? So it's all through Mexico. That Bob, it's, it's, but they're you know they're taking a vacation. They're going anywhere, and then they're you know they're. Um, they're giving their life savings over to get to Mexico, and then they're trying to cross the border. And, and again, I have, I have a great deal of sympathy for that, that type of migrant because, again, these are educated people who want opportunities, and they're going to work hard. But as Bob describes, the, the difficulty is how do you determine which one of those people are the people that are the people we want and which one of those people are the people who are going to do some damage to the United States. So that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge for us as a, as a country. Um, but we are seeing that. Right. And we are starting to see that, you know, bit by bit, in addition to these gray zone infiltrators, you know, we're going to have to take a look at what do we do about this American dream and how do we, you know, how do we best benefit from these migrants who might be very useful to us if we had a rational you know, migration policy, which, again, I don't want to get into. Right. Um, And then we we discussed earlier about how, you know, the, the Taiwanese elections were somewhat favorable to the People's Republic of China because of more accommodating uh, KMT party won the most seats in the legislature. But even with that outcome, what the people in the People's Republic of China saw were elections. Right? The Taiwanese people are making a choice. There wasn't one party rule. So the fact that there were elections makes all the one, uh, one China policy discussions that Z says that much more meaningless. Right. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they're that their citizens are looking at. Um, and again, it, it, it's possible that the abandonment of the China dream by the educated urban kind of lower middle class might not be the end of the regime, but for the regime to maintain their control, even absolute monarchs in the past have needed the consent of the nobles. And that's why we study history folks. So we can, we can see this pattern happening over time. That's just human nature. Right? When people feel that there are no prospects to improve their situation, they at least look for ways to vent their anger. And the danger is that this middle class could begin to make other decisions besides leaving to, this, to express their anger. And I would look at the very rapid lifting of the zero COVID restrictions by the regime as the most obvious recent example that the regime knows that and that they don't want to face these revolts. And the second thing I'd look at is this big middle class departure from the country because the Chinese people are anxious that, and, and their bargain with the regime is starting to come apart. And it's impossible to know how it's, where it's going to lead, and hopefully it remains peaceful. But it's an absolute fact now that the Chinese, the disease China dream is becoming a nightmare for a lot of those people that live there. Uh, communism doesn't work. John, thank Never you as does. always, my friend. Uh, Monday musings. 
focusing on China. We're going to keep watching it, and we appreciate it so much. And thank you for the music, and thank you to your listeners for joining us again this morning. I do know I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. John Perillo, Monday Musings. We'll be back. That's for Tommy P., but uh, on this date, 1970, the Beatles released their album, Beatles Again. It was released in the United States this date, 1970. It included uh, Hey Jude. Murph picked it out for Tommy. So, guys, uh, China's got a lot of problems. Now, the, the, the scary thing is, what do totalitarian regimes do when they've got internal problems? They lash out. So when your policies are not working, you cause wars. And that's a real danger and real threat. And who's their number one target? Taiwan. May we live in interesting times? Well, we certainly do. But there's the scariest in my lifetime. I just turned 63. And uh, on that, I just want to remind you, don't forget this. Road Scholar Transport, if you have unique shipping needs, Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions, including dry van, temperature controlled, and high security. You got an issue in, you want to drive for somebody? Drive for Road Scholar. You have an issue with, or a need for warehousing, logistics, and trucking? That's who you see. Road Scholar at roadscholar.com. Let's take a break. Bob Cadaro, W-I-L-K. We'll come back with our veterans tribute and much more. Our veterans today, Jim Smujareski, Oliphant, passed away January 3rd at age of 88, married to the former Grace Molitoris, survived by a son, a grandson, and a granddaughter. He was a veteran of the Korean conflict. Member of St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's Lutheran Church, Dixon City, Jim Smujareski. Ralph Savarese, who was born in the Bronx, late of Bullsburg and formerly of Mountaintop, World War II veteran, signed up for the U.S. Navy in 1942, serving in the Naval Armed Guard. Served in European, Pacific, Mediterranean, and North African theaters. A Bronze Star recipient. His wife, Therese, passed away in 2019 after 70 years of marriage. Worked for New York Life Insurance on the great Eberhard Faber Pencil Company. Also had his own advertising business. Survived by seven children. Tons of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nieces and nephew. Ralph Savarese. Michael Morrissey, Laughlin, passed away at age 78, January 19th. Graduate of GAR. Member of the United States Air Force. Reaching the rank of sergeant. Then he entered the Pennsylvania State Police Academy in 1968. Among other features of his 28-year career, was a member of the state police rodeo team. Retired from Troop R. Dunmore. 
Then he became a court security officer in a federal courthouse in Wilkes-Barre. Proceeded in death by an infant daughter. Survived by his wife of 53 years, Mary Jane. Daughter, son, grandchildren. Michael Morrissey. James Van Kosky, music. Lost him January 5th at age 84. His wife of 60 years, the former Margie Smith. West Scranton High School graduate, worked at Keystone Coca-Cola for 24 years, member of the Marine Corps, and then 18 years in the Army Reserves, reaching the rank of Master Sergeant. Survived by a son and three grandchildren, was preceded in death by another son, James. Also, his brother, Michael Vankoski, killed in action in Vietnam. His brother-in-law, Walter Smith, killed in action in Vietnam as well. James Vankoski, our veterans today. Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Ali Gallo. Today, clouds giving way to sunshine in the afternoon. It'll be about 52. Tonight, increasing clouds down to 37. Tomorrow, Tuesday. The 28th, what, or is it the 27th? Yeah, 27th. Clouds with showers likely uh, late in the afternoon, high near 60 degrees. So our friend Lou Barletta, okay, we remember him as mayor of Hazleton. We remember him as a great congressperson. And he's out there and he's still following all kinds of issues. And he, he, they were talking to me about this thing called Kooth. We'd brought it up before, K-O-O-T-H. And it's a mental health website. They've got a big grant from the state of Pennsylvania, which makes you suspicious immediately. And it's been put into schools often without votes at school board meetings. And if the child is over 14, they don't need parental approval to use the website. Just interesting. And I, I said, I've, we've talked about this subject before. Some people have raised the alarm, but when Lou Barletta does it, you know it's a real one. And here he is with us. Lou, first of all, welcome. Happy New Year. All of that kind of thing. Thanks, Bob. And, and thank you for honoring our veterans like that. That's really beautiful. Thank I love you. It. I love it. Um, yeah. All right. So so tell us, Lou, about Kuth. What, what is it? What What's happening? Sure. What is dangerous about it? So, Bob, you know, back when I was running for governor in, in the race, uh, we were at a debate and, and there, um, there was a woman stood up and she was holding up a pornographic poster. It was actually two, two males having, having sex and they drug her out. She was screaming and they drug her out. And after the debate was over, I went to talk to her and I, you know, it was awful the, the, what she was showing. And she said, these books, this is a book that's in my son's school library. And then she showed me another one. It was about a father. It was a page out of the book. It was a father describing having incest with his 12-year-old daughter. It made me sick to my stomach. And I found out that these books are in many of our school libraries without parents even knowing it. So parental rights, you know, I think COVID taught us one thing, that we need to begin to pay attention to what our kids are looking at on the Internet, what's being taught in their schools. And uh, I was made aware a few months ago about this for-profit business from the UK called Cooth that offers private mental health counseling 
to students actually 11 years old in Philadelphia from 11 to 18 online without parental knowledge. It's an app that they could put on on their phones. Now, it claims to be a mental health counseling tool for students, which sounds good. And there's nobody's denying there's a mental health crisis in this country. We all know there is. And, and they're using that as a storefront page to get into our schools, although their, their own website states that it cannot diagnose or treat mental health illness. Now, they, as you pointed out, they received $3 million taxpayer dollars through a grant by the state to, to be in our schools without one vote of the school board. In fact, many people, when I talk to them about it, they say, what is COOTH? They don't even know it's there. We know to look on at, at what our kids are looking at TikTok. We know what, uh, pay attention to what they're doing on Facebook, but nobody knows that this is in our schools. And here's some of the local schools that it's in. Pittston area, Wilkes-Barre area, school district, Wyoming area, Wyoming seminar, uh, seminary, uh, Wyoming Valley West, greater Nanticoke. And we don't even know about it. Superintendents can get this, into the schools, into the classes, into the students' hands without any conversation at all. Now, what's wrong with COOT? You know, why, why am I so upset? Strangers talking to school children on the Internet, Bob, what can go wrong with that, yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, let's <laughs> think about that. I mean, no stranger should be talking to your child or grandchild on the Internet without your knowledge. Parents should be able to see the content and you would be shocked if you saw some of the content and then consent whether or not they want their children to have access. No politician has the right to, to say they know better what's, you know, know what's better for your child than, than for the parent themselves. And, and doesn't it sound reasonable? Let the parents see it first. Yeah. I, I, you know? the, the whole loco ideas and education of, of, uh, industry doesn't want parents involved and for obvious reasons. So uh, Lou, your, your, your concerns are not just that this is being done without the voters choice. It's being done with the voters money and without parents consent on top of all of that. And the content has you concerned. And it, it gets worse. I mean, if I ha if I, I didn't ring a, an alarm bell yet, it gets worse. They actually tell the student not to not to discuss this with their parents. They actually tell them to keep it from their parents. Oh, why would they do that? Yeah. What do they have to hide? What's so wrong with it? So here, here's the problem, Bob. Anyone can have access. You or I, we can get off the phone right now and get online. Get online with Coots, make up a fake name, a fake address. We can lie about our age. We can say we're 14 years old, and we can have access. We can have an account, and we can get into a chat room with kids and have discussions about anything. Child predators can do this. Child molesters can do this. And you're talking about kids who may have issues that they're signing up and in these chat rooms to begin with. Um, some of the counselors, some of the people who will be um, some of the su support specialists, if you go online, I'll just give you a, a, an example, who will be talking to your kids. Hi, I go by Sparrow, she, her. Or another one, hello, I go by Pigeon, he, him. 
I don't know about you, Bob, but I don't want Sparrow or Pigeon talking to my child about yeah. their gender orientation or suicidal ideology without without the parents knowing. Hmm. Well, this I was just made aware that this was that Cooth was in Wyoming area high school last week. They uh, they took the kids to the auditorium. I don't know how many parents even know this happened. They took the kids to the auditorium. They told them, this is what I was told, they told them that if they sign, on, sign up on their phone, that they'll give them cookies in the eighth period. And not to share this with, with our parents. Now, listen, we taught our four-year-olds, you know, as a parent, not, number one, not, not to accept candy from strangers. And two, don't keep secrets from parents. That's always, that's always the red flag. Well, there's no doubt about it. Parents, uh, this is a call to arms. I think you should call up your schools and uh, tell them that you don't want your children to have access without you seeing this content first. Parents should have the right to say whether or not they want their children to uh, to have access to this kind of stuff. Enough is enough, Bob. I mean, yeah. Pennsylvania is the first state in the country to do this. California just did it. Now, do we want Pennsylvania to be more liberal than California? And I'm going to go a step further. I started a pack. It's called the Pioneer Pack, and I'm going to support candidates that will stand up for parental rights. I don't want any of our elected officials thinking they they have the right to uh, keep a parent uh, out of their own mental health issues and use our tax dollars to do it. Lou Barlett is our guest. Cooth is the subject. A uh, an internet supposed mental health aid that has invaded our school districts and uh lou keep us apprised on this i don't know if you have a minute can you can you hang with us for a few minutes because i do want to talk about the border with you yes all right lou barlett is our guest we're going to go on to the border but uh this couth issue is important it's important to know about and deal with we'll be back with lou barletta after this the Eagles, new kid in town, number one hit, this date, 1977. And before I forget about it, and we bring Lou Barletta back, uh, February 26th, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa for this day. Mother Teresa says, intense love does not measure, it just gives. How intense is your love? Always important, always poignant. Thank you, Mary Regina, for sending it in. Our Mother Teresa for today. Intense love does not measure, it just gives. How intense is your love? Thanks again. So, Lou, uh, we're talking about Kuth, which could be dangerous. It certainly isn't known well, and and that's... That's the red flag to start, you know, to start it all off. It's disturbing. Uh, let's talk about something else you've been fighting for and about for a long time: the border, which is so out of control. It's, it has to be evil incarnate that is encouraging this pol- this open border policy. Yeah, Bob, I mean, we're going back all the way to my, my days as mayor of Hazleton when, you know, I, I had the first ordinance. I passed the first ordinance in the country in dealing with the problem of illegal immigration because of what I was experience, experiencing there. And I was called every name in the book. I mean, all the things that they're saying and everyone talks about today on the news, I said 20 years ago, 
mean, I was called a racist and a bigot. And, you know, this latest incident that just happened with the 22-year-old University of Georgia student, Lincoln Hope Riley, uh, reminded me of, uh, brought me back a flashback back uh, in 2005. I was, uh, I was doing a, a town hall meeting in Sunbury and talking about the problem of, of, of illegal immigration and, and the innocent people that are hurt. And when I was done speaking, a, a couple came up to me and they told me they drove an hour uh, to hear me speak. And they told me about their daughter, uh, Carly Snyder. She was 20 years old. She was studying to be a veterinarian. Her next door neighbor was in the country illegally from Honduras. He was arrested in Houston and left go. Uh, Houston's a sanctuary city. And he came up to Pennsylvania and lived next to Carly. And the father was telling me this, Bob, and as he was telling me, a tear was rolling down his cheek. He said, uh, this man broke into his daughter's house and stabbed her 37 times. He said, my daughter bled to death on the kitchen floor. She had knife wounds in her back as well, in the, as, well as in the her palms of her hands as she was trying to defend herself. And he said, you know, don't stop because you're speaking for Carly now. I've never forgotten that. What, there's, there's two issues. What could have motivated the Republican senators who supported this latest lame deal, which would have allowed up to 3 million illegal immigrants a year to come in here lawfully? What motivates Republicans to join the lunacy of the left in opening our border. Uh, that's why we need term limits. We need to get rid of these people. I mean, I mean, this is crazy. How many more people are going to die? How many more people are going to die like this 22-year-old girl who was, you know, killed by someone who was in the country illegally and left go, uh, you know, caught before for offense and left go? How many more? When are we going to wait for the next terroristic attack when we know people are crossing that border who are going to harm innocent Americans? When is enough enough? And and it's sad. I mean, even this, the latest deal, it makes me sick when I when I see, you know, Democrats talking about, you know, they won't pass a border deal unless, the, you know, they tie it to funding for Ukraine. What the hell does Ukraine have to do with our border? What about the American? Why would you not want to protect American citizens first? And if you're an elected official and you're choosing people in the Ukraine over people here in America, then I don't want you in office. I, I, I'm, American people have to finally Wake up. Well, Lou, keep fighting the fight, and we'll keep following what's going on with this uh, Kuth app. And uh, bring us any updates. You're, you're always yeah, parents welcome. Have a right to know. Thanks, Bob. Parents have a right to know, and they, and they should call their schools, and they should be allowed to see the content first before you know, they're given access with our tax dollars to, to our children. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Amen. Thank Lou Barletta, thank you so much. And let's go, Jamie, if you could get it in in a few seconds, because we've only we got a hard break in about 50 seconds, because you're calling about Kuth. Sure, Bob. Um, this is one of the reasons I decided to run for state representative is because we alerted all of our elected officials of Luzerne County about this program in May of 2023. At a and you brought breakfast. it to our attention. Yes, sir. And um, this program is extremely dangerous. I'm willing to stay on hold because I have three points I really need to get right. across. To you, your you hang in there. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it after the news, maybe even before, because uh, okay. it's, it's important. And uh, 
we wanted to have Lou Barlett on to talk about it and tee it up and let people be aware of it. <sighs> Guys, they'll do anything they can when you're not looking. Michael Jackson had the number one album with Thriller. This date, 1983, Murph tells us. Well, let's go back uh, to Jamie Walsh. He, he'd, uh, he'd alerted us to this Kuth issue back in May uh, uh, here on the program and uh, wants to uh, compliment what Lou Barletta just told us and add to it. Uh, go on, Jamie. Thank you. Um, so the first thing that parents need to know is Kuth is nothing more than a social media platform. And the reason this is important is because in May of 2023, the Supreme Court ruled that social media platforms cannot be held liable for any interactions that happen on their platforms. So if your child is using Cooth and they decide to um, injure themselves or someone else, that any interaction that they have on their platform uh, cannot be, they cannot be sued or held liable for that, which means they would have to go back and sue the school district that introduced this program, which the taxpayers would end up paying for. The other thing you need to know is that they are a major data collection company and they sell your children's data to it, to third parties. Uh, if this isn't dangerous enough and according to their own data, only 5% of kids that use the program actually talk to a true licensed professional. The rest are called healthcare practitioners, which are trained by Cooth, uh, and, and they are, they're, they're not licensed. So this is not mental health treatment, and I am lock, launching a documentary. I actually launched a trailer this morning on my Facebook page, Walsh4PA is my Facebook page. And uh, people can go see the trailer there, but I'm calling this the next Kids for Cash program, and I have lots of evidence that I'm going to be revealing here in the next 30 days. All right. Well, feel free to share it with us whenever you need to. Jamie Walsh, thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, Some eye-opening facts about Cooth. Uh, and it's in your school district, particularly if you're in Luzerne County. We we Lou Barletta ran through the the list. It's uh, it's a big one, and it needs to be watched, and it needs to be observed, and it needs to be looked at really closely, parents and school district administrators, because you can't trust the Pennsylvania educational bureaucracy. Cannot be trusted. Time for the news with Brian Hughes. We'll take a break and come back. It's the Bob Cordaro Show. WYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.